Hello and welcome to Plan for Life with Canby Financial Advisors. I'm your host, Howard Kaplan. In these podcasts, you'll learn about various aspects of personal finance and investing from the advisors at Canby Financial Advisors, a financial planning firm located in Framingham, Massachusetts. Today's topic is investing your money where your values are. Our guest, Chris Galati, is a financial advisor and partner at Canby Financial Advisors. Chris has been with the firm for 18 years. He has a master's degree in financial planning from Bentley University and is a certified financial planner professional. Chris Galati, welcome to Plan for Life. Hey, Howard. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, Chris, let me just kick this off with a discussion of money and values with an observation. In recent years, there's been a lot of media coverage about values-based investing. And how would you define that? Well, before we talk about the values-based part, let's make sure we're all on the same page about the most fundamental part. This is, in fact, a style of investing. Most of us, when we invest, do it with the intention of growing our money. But what if the intention was not only to grow your money, but to do it in a way that's consistent with your personal values? Think about other areas of your life. Maybe you're concerned about food insecurity in your region. So you volunteer at or donate to a nonprofit that feeds the hungry. Or maybe you care about climate change and you bought a hybrid or an electric vehicle. You took a consumer action based on what is important to you. Why can't investing be the same? Chris, can you give me an example or two? Sure. So let's say you're that person who cares about the environment. What if you could invest in businesses that not only don't harm the environment, but maybe actually do something to help it? Or say you're a strong advocate of diversity and equal opportunities in the workplace. Wouldn't you like to invest in companies that embody those values, both in theory and in practice? Now, is this what I've heard referred to as what we call socially responsible investing? Yes. And that's one term for it. You might also hear variations such as Sustainable investing, intentional investing, impact investing, or even other terms. And you'll hear them used interchangeably a lot. And I think that's probably okay, even though there really is some nuance to the, to the different terms. I think the most helpful way to think about it is that whatever you're calling it, most of the approaches include some consideration of three business characteristics, environmental, social, and governance, ESG. This is an acronym we hear a lot. The investor considers how a business is impacting or helping the environment, there's your E, how they treat people, so their employees, their customers, the people in the communities where they operate, there's your S for social, and how they are governed, such as how the board of directors operates to make sure a business runs transparently and with accountability, there's your G, governance. Values-based investors look for companies with high scores in these ESG characteristics. Not surprisingly, the investment industry has latched on to this trend and has launched hundreds of so-called ESG funds within the past decade. Today, there are almost 400 of them. Wow. Yeah. How do people participate in this type of investing, Chris? There are a few ways. The approaches that are easiest to access are publicly traded securities. So stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. In the olden days, when people bought stocks, it was easier to choose companies that reflected their values and avoid those that didn't. I like what this company does, but I don't like what that company does. The challenge increases a little bit if you, like so many of us, invest in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds because they typically own dozens or hundreds of different companies. You can't possibly research all those holdings. 
fortunately, investors now have access to information that's put out by a number of research services that apply their own sustainability ratings to companies and funds to make it easier for investors to find investments that align with their views. For example, one of these services may apply a higher low sustainability score to a mutual fund based on the percentage of the companies in its portfolio that the researcher determines has strong ESG characteristics. These publicly traded investments are the easiest to access, but there are other direct or private investments or investment funds that are usually only available to high net worth individuals and institutional investors. In those funds, you might have even more insight into the direct impact you're having. But again, the market for those usually has some entry requirements. So Chris, how much are people investing in these funds? It's pretty amazing. In 2019, U.S. investors invested $21.4 billion in sustainable mutual funds. That's quadruple the number from the prior year, 2018. And in 2020, they invested $51.1 billion. That represented about a quarter of all net flows into mutual funds last year. And if you're wondering if that's a lot, that's a lot. So Chris, can impact investing really make a difference? You could argue that impact investing has changed the world. Christopher Columbus couldn't have made his voyages to the new world if he hadn't been funded by this syndicate of wealthy investors, including the King and Queen of Spain. That investment is why most of South America speaks Spanish. Now, you could argue either way whether this investment made the world a better or worse place, but you can't deny the impact. More recently, in the 1980s, institutional investor shareholder activists who were opposed to apartheid helped convince many U.S. companies to stop doing business in South Africa. Most investors aren't going to be able to fund a voyage of discovery to a new world or have the influence of an institutional investor, but even at a small level, you can have an impact. Through philanthropy, for example, how many of us have made a $50 donation to, say, the American Cancer Society? Did we make a huge impact? Probably not, but that's okay. You're using your money to turn your beliefs into action. Think about how it makes you feel to do that. Some people bypass charities altogether. I'm aware of some very motivated people who started their own enterprises that offered, for example, microloans to women in India to help give them the funding they need to buy inventory for their business. I think people find values-based investing to be similar in some ways. You do what you can. And the more of your behaviors you can align with your values, the better you feel. And the more people who do what you're doing, the more impact is felt across the markets. Now, Chris, has values-based investing always been a part of your practice? No, actually it hasn't. I was trapped in some of the early myths about what used to be called socially responsible investing. Such as? Primarily that your performance would definitely suffer. And again, this is an investment conversation. And anytime we talk about investment returns as a fact, we're talking about historical performance, which as we always tell our clients, can't be used to predict future returns. None of us knows what will happen in the future. but as with any investment style, values-based investing sometimes underperforms and sometimes it outperforms. So Chris, what changed this for you? A client. I was working with a new client, Tracy. She and her husband had just finished their financial plan with us, opened their new investment accounts, and we had agreed on the investment strategy. Then at the end of the conversation, Tracy said, oh, and we won't be investing in any fossil fuel companies, right? Now, I knew Tracy felt strongly about climate change, but this is the first we talked about it in the context of their investments. 
She made it clear it wasn't up for discussion. I hadn't excluded certain sectors from clients' portfolios before, so I asked Tracy if I could take some time to figure out how to do this. Fortunately, she's a very reasonable person and said, sure. So off I went, I read and I interviewed and I learned. I met with investment companies. I met with other financial advisors who had already built this investing style into their practice. So when I felt confident that I had the knowledge and tools to fulfill Tracy's mandates, I came back to her and said, we can do this. We can build a portfolio that has little to no fossil fuel companies without really sacrificing the diversification I was concerned about. There may be more than zero fossil fuel companies in the portfolio if, for instance, the fund manager finds a company they believe is headed in the right direction. She said, great, I just want to know somebody's thinking about this. See, Tracy essentially wanted to put her money where her values are. And now the more I bring it up, the more enthusiasm I hear. For example, one of my clients is a cardiologist who was delighted to learn that her portfolio didn't need to include stock of big tobacco companies. Interesting. Okay, we have time for one last question, Chris. What do people need to think about if they want to become values-based investors? I think there were a few considerations to get started. First, what are the specific values that you want reflected in your investing? Are there certain things you want to avoid or certain things you want to support? What balance are you looking for? If you work with a financial advisor, tell them what you're interested in, make sure they hear you. And when they show you how they propose implementing your ideas, make sure you're comfortable with it. Next, are you willing to accept investment returns that could be different than however the headline markets are performing at the time? And thirdly, is this something you want to do with all your money or just some of it? As with so many decisions related to investing, saving, or any other money-related matter, you really need to start by answering a core question. What's important to me? Well, Chris, we've reached the end of this episode. We hope it offered useful ideas you can use to consider whether values-based investing makes sense for you. I'd like to thank my guest, Chris Scalati, and all of you out there for listening. If you have any comments or questions, please contact Canby Financial Advisors at info at canbyfinancial.com. Chris Scalati, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you, Howard. I'm Howard Kaplan. So long and stay safe. Plan for Life with Canby Financial Advisors is a production of Canby Financial Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. It is provided for general informational purposes only and should not be interpreted as personalized financial advice. The examples used in this episode are for illustrative purposes only. They do not constitute a recommendation as to the suitability of any investment or investment strategy for any person or persons having circumstances similar to those portrayed and a financial advisor should be consulted for your specific situation. Actual results will vary, and past performance is not indicative of future results. Canby Financial Advisors, 161 Worcester Road, Framingham, Mass. 01701. Visit our website at canbyfinancial.com. Securities and advisory services are offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor, and member of FINRA and the SIPC. Financial planning services offered through Canby Financial Advisors are separate and unrelated to Commonwealth.